0: almost completely unknown. I say almost because there are some things that we can know about the future. There are some things we can know about the future, and I'm not even talking about, like, theologically. I'm talking about things like there are certain conditional statements that can help us determine what the future may be. Here are a few conditional statements. If you touch the stove while it's on you will get burnt. That's future. You touch the stove, you will get burnt. Okay? That's a futuristic thing. If you steal a cookie, you will be punished. Conditional statements. If you tell the truth, you will be rewarded. If you don't get in trouble between now and Christmas, this one is personal to me. If you don't get in trouble between now and Christmas, my dad told me, I will buy you a set of golf clubs. So I knew that if I didn't get in trouble between Thanksgiving and Christmas, that I would own a set of golf clubs. I was like eight years old at the time, and they were like this long. But I was excited about that. See, those are things you can know about the future, right? Would would everybody agree with me? Like I knew that I could get a set of golf clubs. Here were the conditions, the conditional statement was made, here they were, and all I had to do was meet those conditions, and in the future, I would have a set of golf clubs. All of these things were actually said to me, don't touch the stove, don't steal a cookie, and tell the truth. They're all personal to me, and I think all the list could just go on and on and on and on, really, of things, conditional statements that we can tell the future about, Here's the statement I want you to get today. The obscurity of the future can become obvious. The obscurity of the future can become obvious. It can become clear. We can see through it. You say, Pastor Yomas, come on, what are you talking about? What are you getting at? I don't understand how you can make the future obvious. Well, God has some conditional statements. God gives some things in his word that says, if you do this, then this will happen. And so we can know our future. And we see here in our passage a few of these conditional statements that I believe will help us see into the future. If you'll look in verse verse 50 with me, Numbers 33 and verse 50. By the way, we finished Numbers chapter 32 last week. Numbers chapter 33 begins with every place that they traveled. They, they left here and they went there and they left there and they went here. And they all throughout. But as we get down into Numbers chapter 33 and verse 50, the Lord begins to speak again. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan near Jericho, saying, Now again, remember. This is where they are. They're near the Jordan River. They're looking across into the land of Canaan. They're getting ready to go over and conquer. And God is giving them multiple pieces of instruction. Moses is giving them multiple pieces of instruction. We talked last week about Reuben and Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh. And how they were stayed over there. And what their focus and what their purpose was. Numbers 33 and verse 50. Verse 51, excuse me, the Bible says, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when ye are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan, then ye shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you and destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places and ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land. And dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it. Verse 54. And ye shall divide the land by lot. For an inheritance among your families. And to the more ye shall give the more inheritance. And to the fewer ye shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers ye shall inherit. Verse 55. But if ye will not drive the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Verse 56, Moreover, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. I want to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Seeing beyond today. Seeing beyond today. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the songs that have been sung this morning. Father, the grace that we have because of you. Father, you have given us such grace when we did not deserve it. Father, amazing grace. Father, now we come and thank you for that. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, that we might have an eternal home in heaven. Thank you, and we love you for that. But Father, help us to look past ourselves today. Help us to see what it is that you want us to see. Help us to keep our objective clear. Help us to see uh, what, what may come because of the decisions that we make. Father, help us. Thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Seeing beyond today. Today is so easy to see, isn't it? Where we're here right now, it's simple. You know what's even easier to see is the past. We always say hindsight is twenty twenty. You can see what's behind you very clearly and you can begin to see how easy it is to uh, uh, make the decisions that you've made and what the consequences are for those decisions. And it's so easy to see the past. But what about the future? Seeing beyond today, this is exactly where the children of Israel find themselves. This is where they find themselves here in this passage. But before we can really delve into the specifics of this passage, I think we need to understand what happened in the past. I think we need to go back a little bit further, something that we often don't understand and we need to help, that will help us determine the future. Sir Winston Churchill is credited for saying those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So if we don't learn from history, we know what our future will be, repeating history. So let's go back. Let's learn from history. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 3. Why are the children of Israel in this place? Exodus chapter 3 and verse 16. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 16. The Bible says this. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt under the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, so God tells Abraham, Listen, I'm going to give you a land. And now he's repeating it to Moses and to the elders of Israel I'm going to give you a land. It's a land that the Canaanites indwell. It's a land that the Hittites indwell. It's a land that the Jebusites and the Perizzites indwell. That land flows with milk and honey, and I'm going to give you that land. I get asked all the time, actually, multiple times, it's funny. Why in the world would God have these nations destroyed? I thought God was a loving God. I thought God was a kind God. Why in the world would he allow these nations, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, all of these nations, why would he allow them to be destroyed? Seems so unfair, doesn't it? But we need to go back a little bit further. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 10. Genesis chapter 10. We need to look beyond today and see Genesis chapter 10 verse 15 tells us something. The Bible says this. And Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth. Watch this in verse 16. And the Jebusite, and the Amorite, and the Gergesite, and the Hivite and the Archite, and the Sinite, and the Arvadite, and the Zemurite, and the Hamathite, and afterward were the families of the Canaanites spread abroad. Verse 19 begins to tell us the border of the Canaanites, the land of Canaan. Does anybody remember who Canaan was? Look at verse 20, Genesis chapter 10 and verse 20. These are the sons of who? Ham. You starting to get the picture yet? Go to Genesis chapter 9 and verse 22. The Bible says this And Ham, the father of who? Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be who? Canaan. A servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. You see, Ham made a decision. And I'll be honest with you, I don't understand everything that goes on here in this story with what Ham did. We tried to discuss it a little while ago in our, uh, our, our Connect classes, our Ministry Connect. And, and listen, I don't understand everything. I can assume and I can uh, put some things together perhaps with the Bible isn't specific as to what Ham did. But let me tell you this. The decision that Ham made cursed his son Canaan. And then from there, his sons, the Hivites and the Jebusites and the Hittites... And the Amorites, all of those nations are the sons of Canaan. And this is the land, this is the land that God had promised the children of Israel, the land of Canaan. And so what I'm trying to get across to you today is the past. Listen, every decision you make, every decision you, you decide you're going to do will have something come about because of it. Because of one man's wrongdoing, nations were cursed. You say, Pastor Jones, that's not fair. What did they do? Listen, I'm sorry to tell you this, but that's how that works. When you make a decision, it could affect your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great-great-grandchildren. I'm sorry to tell you that. But that is how it works. That is life. And that's exactly what happened here. The Bible says in one spot that you can't go in and conquer the land yet because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. They're not as bad as they should be or that God had cursed them to be. Listen, when God curses something, it's cursed. When God says this person will be cursed or this person will have no children or this is the way it's going to be, mark it down, that's the way it's going to be. When God says something, that is truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. John 17, 17. So, in order to see beyond today, to see what's going on today, why we are in the positions we are, all you have to do is look backwards a little bit. Look at Canada today. You can go, oh, yeah, when you look backwards. You can go, oh yeah, I understand why we are where we are now because of decisions that were made multiplied upon multiplied decisions. And you go, okay, now I understand why I'm here. God said, Ham, because you made that decision to do whatever you did to your father... Your son Canaan is now cursed, and that curse is now passed upon all his sons and upon their sons and upon their sons. And one day I'm going to take the children of Israel out of Egypt, and you know what I'm going to give them? I'm going to give them that land that you should have had, Ham, the land that Canaan should have had. It's the land of Canaan, and I'm going to give that to them. See, it's easy to see the past. It's easy to go, oh, yeah, well, obviously, we can see that. It's easy to look back. Because of one man's wrongdoings, nations were cursed. But I want you to notice something. By the same token, one, nation, all, one man's wrongdoing, nations were cursed. Abraham. Abraham was a righteous man. Abraham was a good man. And get this. His entire seed would become a nation. The sands of the seashore. And they would be blessed. And you know what they would inherit? They would inherit the land of Canaan. All because one man did right. You see, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time over here on the bad stuff. I want you to realize that if you make right decisions and you walk with God and you do the right thing, just like Abraham did, his nation, his seed, his children would be blessed. So we need to see that. We need to understand that. Oftentimes, we don't see what the future holds because we don't want to. We don't want to look ahead. We are too focused on what we want now. So, the children of Israel. The children of Israel have an opportunity to set their families up for an entire future. One way or the other, good or bad. But it's laid out for them in our passage. So I want to give you three points, in order to see the future, in order to understand what's going to come, number one is simply this, separate yourselves. Separate yourselves. Go to Numbers chapter 33 and look at verse 52. Numbers 33 and look at verse 52, the Bible says this, then ye shall drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you. And destroy all their pictures and destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. Very simply, when you get into the land of Canaan, the place that I have promised you, you are going to break down everything. You are going to clear out the inhabitants. You're going to destroy anything that resembles another god. Look at that verse again. You're going to destroy all their pictures, destroy all their molten images, and quite pluck down all their high places. They were to destroy anything that resembled a God. They were to destroy anything that looked like God's from the previous inhabitants. Destroy anything that does not promote your God, that does not promote the one true God. Why? Why were they to do that? Why wasn't it good enough just to push out the inhabitants? Why wasn't it good enough just to say, hey, I'm sorry, this is our land. You can stay here if you want. Why wasn't it good enough? Why did they have to drive them out? Why did they have to destroy all of these things? Wasn't it good enough just to move in? They were to be destroyed because they would be distractions to them. They were to destroy them because they would be distractions to them. We've spent a great deal of time over the last several weeks talking about sin and destroying sin. And things that will take away from your relationship with God. But realize this. The children of Israel had already been distracted. They had already been distracted by other gods. Let me show you Numbers chapter 25. Let's go back. Let's look back. Numbers 25. Look at verse 3, Numbers 25 and verse 3, the Bible says, And Israel, what? Joined. Joined himself unto what? Baal Peor. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So instead of separating themselves from Baal Peor, they joined themselves to Baal Peor. Instead of separating from the God of the Moabites and the God of the Midianites, they joined themselves to it. Listen, God says, no, 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 no. You don't join yourself to something else. You join yourself to me. So in order to join yourself to me, you're going to have to get rid of some things. You're going to have to push it aside. You're going to have to say, no more. Separate yourselves so instead of separating themselves under the one true God, they begin separating themselves unto these other gods and away from the one true God. How does this apply to us? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, the Bible says, Be ye not, here it is, listen, unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't join yourself together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Listen, here it is. For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Verse 17. Wherefore, because of that, wherefore, come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You see, God is saying, listen, we need to separate ourselves. Separate yourselves from these things. Separate yourselves from the gods of this world. Separate yourselves from anything that is against me. And listen, if you do that... Look what he says. If you do that, I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So you want to know, you want to see the future? Separate yourselves from God or from those gods. Separate yourself unto God. And I'm telling you what's going to happen: God will be a father unto you. And you will be his child. You will be his son. You will be his daughter. And he will treat you just like one. Listen, you can separate yourselves unto these other gods. You can spend time over here. And you can learn from these gods. But you know what's going to happen. You can see what happened in the past. You can see. They joined themselves to Baal Peor. And thousands, 20,000 people died. All because... You didn't separate yourselves unto God. Separating ourselves unto God, listen this, requires a daily decision. Separating ourselves unto God requires a daily decision. It requires a daily decision. Listen, you you might say, listen, I'm going to separate myself unto these gods. I'm going to separate myself over here. I'm going to keep those pictures. I'm going to keep those things. I'm going to stay with them. I'm going to separate myself unto these gods. You know what that is? That's a daily decision. You make that decision every day. And so you might say, listen. I'm going to separate myself unto what I want to do. I'm going to separate myself unto whatever I want to watch. I'm going to separate myself unto whatever I want to listen to. You know that's a daily decision. You make that decision every single day or you can make the decision to do what God wants you to do every single day. Either way, it's a decision. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you separate yourselves under these things, bad stuff will happen. That's the future. I guarantee you, you separate yourselves under God, you'll be a son and you'll be a daughter. You'll conquer the land as the Israelites say here, the way that God wants. Number two, not only are you to separate yourselves, number two, set your affections. Set your affections. Numbers chapter 33. Look at verse 53. Set your affection. Verse 53, the Bible says, "And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell therein, for I have given you the land to possess it." Verse 54. And ye shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to the more ye shall give the more inheritance. And to the fewer ye shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falleth. According to the tribes of your fathers, ye shall inherit. Again, he's trying to say, listen, here it is. The land is before you. You have the opportunity to see that land. You have the opportunity to live in that land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, with grapes of clusters so big and so huge. You've got an amazing opportunity for you. Focus on that. Here is your land. I love the word dispossess here. Look at that verse again, verse 53. And ye shall dispossess the inhabitants. It gives the connotation of someone already owning something. And you come in and take their possession and make it your own. We had somebody dispossess something from us this week. We had an iPad that one of the children don't, I don't know, we we're all going to say, don't let children play with iPads. I understand. One of the children had the iPad and left it somewhere, and somebody dispossessed it from us. And now they possess it. And we do not. We are no longer the owners of that iPad. It's dispossessed. I love that word. I hate it when it happens to me. But listen, the word is amazing. It means to make someone a non-owner of someone who once owned Someone, a non-owner of someone who once owned. God wanted the children of Israel to love the fact that they are going to inherit the land. That land is yours. It's yours for the taking. Be excited about it. You are the owners. Go in. Dispossess it from them. Take it for yourselves. It's your inheritance. It's what's rightfully yours. Inherit that land. Take your land. Keep the goal in mind. This is what you're going toward. This is what you didn't get 40 years ago. This is what I promised hundreds of years ago. If I could say it in a New Testament way, let me say it this way. I have prepared a place for you. Will you claim it? Let me apply this by referring to the fact that we should be dispossessing ourselves. I want you to think about something with me according to dispossession. How many of us possess ourselves? We own ourselves. All of us would say, yeah, well, obviously, I tell my arms what to do. I eat what I want to eat. Listen, so we possess ourselves. But listen, this is what I believe. I believe we ought to be dispossessing ourselves. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? This is what I believe. I believe we ought to be saying, no, I don't want my own body. I don't want to control it. I don't want to have it all. This is what I want. I want to have God control it. I want him to take ownership of my body. I want him to take ownership of my mind. I want him to take ownership of my actions, of my attitude. I want him to take ownership of it. We should be personally dispossessing ourselves, saying, God, here, it's yours. Here's my life. Take it. Take it as you see fit. It is all yours. We don't have real ownership. Our real ownership is not here on this earth anyway. You realize that? There's a song, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I can't feel at home. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. I want, to, I'm preparing a place for you. Matthew 6, 19 and 20 says, Lay up for yourselves, lay not up for yourselves treasures in heaven, treasures upon earth. I'm messing that up. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Set your affection. Colossians chapter 3. Pastor Stone preached an entire series on it this last week. Colossians chapter 3. If you'll turn over there with me. Colossians chapter 3. I want you to see these two verses. Colossians 3 verses 1 and 2. The Bible says this, if ye then be risen with Christ, you're saved. You know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. It says, set your affection on the things above, not on things on the earth. You know what that tells me? You know what that tells me? That tells me we can set our affections on things on the earth. We can set our affection on things above. So it's a choice. You know what I like to call it? It's a setting. It's literally a setting. You take your phone out and your setting's on your phone. And all you have to do is just touch and slide it one way. And you change the setting. That simple. With the touch of a screen, you can change the setting on your phone. Hear me, you can change the setting in your life. You can change the setting of your affection in your life. You can either set it on the affections of things above, or you can set it affections on things on this earth. It's your choice. And you say, I just, I just can't seem to overcome it. Most of us have, or some of us have taken the Dave Ramsey challenge of finances. You know what Dave Ramsey says? You want to change something, this is how you do it. Change. Just that simple. No longer, no longer am I going to set my affections over here. I'm going to set them over here. I'm going to set them on things above. No longer is it going to be what I want to do. It's going to be what God wants me to do. No longer is my heart going to be over here and my treasure going to be over here. It's going to be up here. Set your affection. If you set set your affections on things on this earth, I can guarantee what the future is going to be they'll be corrupt. If you set your affections on things above, I guarantee what your future is going to be. I can guarantee it. It will be there for eternity. You will have your gold, your silver, your precious stones. You will have your wood, hay, and stubble over here. What are you going to set your affection on? What you set your affection on will determine your future. Separate yourselves, set your affection, number three, and finally, see the result. See the results. Numbers chapter 33, if you go back there with me. Numbers 33, verse 55. So God gives them a very positive outlook. But then he says, but if, verse 55, but if ye will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, if you don't do that, then it shall come to pass that those which ye let remain of them shall be pricks in your, side, in your eyes and thorns in your sides and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. Moreover, on top of that, he says, it shall come to pass that I shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. You realize what he just said? If you don't, if you don't push out these, if you don't destroy their images, if you don't destroy all of these things, this will be a bad thing for you. It will vex you. Not only that, the curse that they had, the curse that they were required, that's the curse I'm going to bring upon you. I'm going to pass that along to you. Listen, here's the future. If you don't conquer the land, you're going to be cursed. That's the future. We can see that. It's not hard. Write this down. Decisions always have effects. I did not use the word consequences for a reason. Because decisions always have effects. It could be consequences or it could be rewards. It could be consequences or it could be rewards. Listen, if I do right, if I tell the truth, I'm going to get something good. If I tell a lie, I'm going to have something bad. If I steal a cookie from the cookie jar, I'm going to be in trouble. If I don't get in trouble from now until Christmas, I'm going to get a reward. You see, decisions always have effects. Wow, somebody want to check on that for me? Is that my timer for being done? It's the most annoying sound in the world. We may need to clear the building. I've actually never heard this song before, ever in this church, so. I can't even hear you. Somebody make a decision. All right. And it just stopped. Should we still get everybody out? 30 seconds. Does anybody smell smoke? Yeah. This is exciting. Who knew when you are coming to church this morning? What's that? Yes. Possibly. That's what I need to figure out. So yes, it is hooked up to the fire. Every, it sends out an immediate signal. Has it been thirty seconds yet? I don't. I don't even know if that's the fire alarm. Was I've never heard a fire alarm like that. What's that? My hot preaching. We're good. You sure? One hundred percent. Okay. Decisions will have consequences. Here we go. All right, very quick, I'll finish this up. Decisions always have effects. They can be consequences or they can be rewards. What you do will always be determined by your future. When you make something happen over here and you decide to do something, you are affecting your future. The children of Israel had a choice to make based on the end result. They knew what the results were. They could inherit a land forever. With no problems whatsoever, have everything handed them, houses that they built not, vineyards which they dig not, all of these things that they could have. They had major or they could inherit a land with major problems. When the residents of the land, God would punish them as He was going to punish the ones that were supposed to drive out. He had that opportunity. What would you choose? What would you choose? Would you choose something that was Full of problems or would you choose something that's full of blessings? Full of problems or full of blessings? All of us think that's a no-brainer. We would choose all blessings. Listen, if we knew when we got to heaven that the outcome was gold, silver, and precious stones, all of us would do whatever it took to get gold, silver, and precious stones. But so many of us are happy to do our own thing. We're not realizing that one day we're going to receive wood, hay, and stubble and not receive those gold, silver, and precious stones. The problem is we don't want to see past today. We don't want to look into the future. We don't want to know what is going on further. We just want to do what we want to do. The only thing that gets us only thing that that gets us is doing what we want to do is instant gratification. That's it. But it brings us a world of hurt for a long time. And it will probably even affect our families for years to come. Look beyond today. What decisions are you making today that are causing problems for the future? You might even say this. I'm doing what I want today. And I'm making my own way to heaven and I'm doing what I want to do. I'm going to live the way that I want to live and I'm going to earn my way to heaven. The Bible says that that is the path that leads to hell. The only path that leads to eternal life is believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and accepting his free gift. That's telling the future. Because listen, most of us just want to live for today. I just want to do what I want to do today. But decisions always have effects. So if you live that way, there are going to be consequences. But if you live for God today, there will be rewards.